Good, I'd like to ask for your attention. This is our last full day today, and I would like to say something uh, more general about stages of meditative practice and particular about Chitta Nupassana, or what I refer to as Channel 3, the uh, contemplation of states of mind, contemplation of mind as it is occasionally translated. You understand that the teachings on the four establishments of mindfulness are a teaching where we don't do all the exercises we talk of at once. We're not just piling on things so for you to do more and more complicated things in your meditation. We are shifting the accent of uh, attentional focus in those four major domains which I kind of a little haphazardly refer to as channels. Yeah? Channel one, body. Channel two, pleasure and pain. Channel three, mood, affect. Channel four, content, uh, image, thought, the story. Habitually, we spend most of our time on channel four. That's where we have learned to go. That's where the protagonist occurs. That's where the big stories are. That's where the narrative of my life uh, is being met. So when I'm being asked, how are you feeling, generally I go to channel four and I tell, I tell the story. Yeah? So <clears throat> we've counteracted that pattern with encouraging you to learn to ground your attention in the body. So switching back from channel four to channel one is a major task in meditational skill. Because in channel one we have better chances of meeting things as they arise, and the story is less embellished, we're less enthralled, we're not en entrapped by the storytelling mind, which generally, um, as the story goes on, uh, more and more c is concerned with the notion of self, and what that self misses, or what that self excels at, excels in, sorry, and less and less with what actually triggered the story, while the body doesn't do the story, the body just lets us feel things. Chitanupasana, channel three, is a major area of practice. That's where letting go happens. That is where our happiness takes place. That is where suffering takes place. That is where the collectedness, the calm, the stillness of mind takes place. So, in many ways, uh, Chitanupasana is the big domain for meditative practice. Now, if this was a fair world, you know, we would have... Um, a clean separation of task, meditational object, and operator doing the experiment with the meditational object. But this is not how it is. Yeah? This is a messy business. The, the very same mind that tries to understand its own functioning is also the mind we meditate with. Yeah? So that leaves us with some methodological problems. Yeah? as you can easily imagine. So if I'm grumpy, basically I have to learn to live and to understand that grumpiness from a, a grumpy position. Yeah? That is a pretty messy business. So that's why we don't start with Chitta Nupassana, because we need some strength of mind, we need some skills. If I wanted to just delineate skills uh, in the progress of meditation, I would make four stages. These stages are completely non-canonical, so they take them with the uh, decorous pinch of salt. They uh, are my current thinking on this, and I'm afraid 
I can't claim awakening, so take them at your own risk. Um, but stage one is clearly about stilling the mind. Yeah. There is no, I do not see that it is possible to meditate without learning the skill of making the mind more still and learning what it takes to make this particular mind more still. If it is very frantic, I need the skill to make it a little less frantic. If it is already quite collected, I need to learn the skill to make it even more collected. So at whatever stage you enter into this business of stilling the mind, stilling the mind is an indispensable part of any meditative undertaking. Stage two is <coughs> something to do with this identification. It means I learn to step back. I learn to take um, a perspective. I learn to have more space between what's happening and the capacity of a, a mind that is capable of being aware of what's happening. So if the thoughts come here, they block a lot more of my view. If I see thoughts arising, say, oh yeah, they're doing their number and now they're going you know, on the big pile where all the dead thoughts are going. Yeah? That is a very different relationship. And the distinction between these two perspectives is basically one of stillness and it's one of spacious perspective on content of mind so usually i'm so obsessed with the story that i don't actually know it is a story i'm in it yeah. so in stage two i learn to go back to disidentify i say okay this is happening but it's not me yeah there's also something that knows that it's happening so what is happening is not completely me there's another part which is capable of knowing, it's capable of seeing, it's capable of actually having a bigger picture. So this stage two is very important. And for many people, stage two is meditation. Yeah? It's, make, it's making sure that I can go to some place where it's safe, where it doesn't overwhelm me, where I can go, uh, where I can be without getting hurt. Yeah? So for many people, Meditation is actually stage two. Secretly, they like to go to some place, and who can blame them, you know, where it doesn't hurt, where it feels safe, and where I have perspective. Unfortunately, stage two doesn't fix things. Yeah? It only keeps us out of trouble for a while, but the trouble actually don't go away. It's we who have gone away. And has made, made sure that we have resources. And in stage three, we, once we have learned to go away, keep out of trouble, stay out of it, we have to go back in, yeah, carefully, negotiatedly, respectfully, courageously, slowly, go back in, crawl back in there and see whether it really is as bad as we thought, whether we can stay clear and go in closer and find out, yeah. So stage three is about investigation, it's about fathoming, it's about getting in touch with the stuff that was freaky or that was so attractive that we always get sucked in, yeah. So stage three is very personal, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it is psychological. It has always to do with this story, with this life, this socialization, this conditioning, and it's indispensable. My chances are much better in stage three if I have learned stage one and two well, if I have learned to make the mind still. That gives me strength, that gives me clarity, that gives me space, that gives me boundaries, that gives me competence when I meet things that are scary or reeling me in. The same is true for stage two. That helps me a lot in stage three. If I can see this and it doesn't say, this is you, this is the truth about you. 
Stage four is again, I'm moving slightly back and I see now what I have understood on a personal level in a sort of universal scale. I can understand the patterns that are enacted in stage three that were personal. I can see them in other people or I can see them when the conditions look slightly different, but I recognize, oh, this is the same thing. This is the same number. Yeah. This is the same blueprint. It looks a bit different. He got a little twist there or his spin was a bit different than my spin is but basically I recognize this is the same pattern so we learn about causality we learn about um, things that make free we learn about patterns that are uh, ensnaring us and patterns that are freeing us so we get a bigger picture of what we have learned in stage three yeah now I believe that meditation has to have all four stages otherwise it's not going to make us free Otherwise, we're going to practice a particular skill. And it's easy to get hung up in one of those stages. If you want a psychology of the hung up folk, the folks on, who get hung up on stage one, for them it's never calm enough. You know, whenever people speak of insight or inquiring, they say, well, yeah, that's for people who are much further than I. I need to get a lot more still. You know. Before I get really, really still, I can't do any of this other difficult stuff. Generally, that is something to be careful of. You know? We may get hung up in all four of those stages. For stage one, junkies, you know, things are never controlled enough. They're never still enough. They always start in from the red. Yeah? Before they can even start, they need to already pay back their debts. Yeah? <laughs> so if, you, if something in your mind tells you you're not even at the point where you could start yet to meditate. So many things have to stop or be cleared away or be produced before you can even start meditating. Don't take it so serious. It may not be the truth. It may be just your hang-up. Yeah? It may be your number. People getting hung up on stage two, the disidentification bits, they just want to go away and away and away and make things more and more safe. Yeah? Get more and more control over things by having them going away further. Yeah? And when they're far enough away, I don't actually need to bother with them anymore because they don't really, they've just disappeared behind the horizon. Yeah? But obviously you can't live out there. Yeah? When, whenever you come back and meet another human being or when you uh, come out of your... Uh, a situation in which all your time is designed by your own sweet will, then you will the things that have disappeared behind the horizon for a moment will reappear again with vengeance. And will be you will be surprised that things that were not a problem when you were on your own suddenly become big problems again and you continue exactly where you've left off. So this identification alone doesn't actually solve the issues. It only makes us safe, but that safety needs then put to use. People who get hooked on stage three, for them, they're always concerned with the drama. Yeah? There's always something to work out. There's always emotions to be fathomed. There's always things to, traumas to be worked out, things to be released. You know, you're always in a personal story. And this meditation never goes beyond psychology. It never goes beyond the enactment of the actual things you feel most preoccupied with. People hooked on stage four, they want to understand things before they actually arrive at them. Yeah? They want to have clear maps before they're willing to leave the house. Yeah? And if things are a little confusing, if they start meeting reality, they go back in the house and try to get a better map. Yeah? So 
it's it's the cognitive preempting of actually meeting life, meeting themselves, meeting their own hearts and minds. So consider a little bit where you would like, where you think you are more prone, which whether you recognize these stages in your approach to practice. Also, whether you recognize one of these hang-up stages as a, a voice that may come up in your mind, just as a sort of pointer. Jitanu Pasana is often... <coughs> Bewildering, because as Christina referred to the other day, emotions come with a story. Emotions have generally some cognitive stuff going on. They have often feeling tone going on. And they have a mood. Yeah, so it's bundled. When we fall into an emotion, it, fe- it fills our screen. Yeah. Emotions are always... They're always eternal. Yeah. When, you're, when you're in love, you're in love. And that is as eternal as it gets, yeah, as long as it lasts. It feels pretty much eternal. When you're afraid, you have no sense of time. Fear feels equally uh, completely filling your screen as it has ever done in your life, if you're really afraid. Yeah? So emotions make us lose our sense of time. And it is difficult to do, when an emotion is going on, something else than that emotion. With thought, you have choices. You can figure out, if you have a thought, you can figure out, is this a true thought, a useful thought, a logical thought? Is it a fair thought? You know, you can play with thought. With emotion, it's generally difficult to play because it's so filling. It seems so real. So one way we learn to be with emotions is to, we try to still the the heart. That's why samatha practice is important. Learning the skill of stilling the mind. And then after a while, we actually start looking, what sort of climate is there? Think of emotion or mood as of a climate. You kind of look out at the window and say, oh, it's a bright day today, or it's hazy today, or it's muggy and dark. You try to assess a mood that is prevalent right now. Usually such mood comes with a voice that says, oh, this is a bad moment, I wish I could have slept more, or I wish he wasn't here, or I wish, you know, I hadn't done that yesterday, or things like that. So to be in touch with the mood, we often need to consciously disregard the story. We need to get away from the protagonist, usually a character called me, uh, and we need to get away from what the story says, to get a clear feeling for the mood. It's like listening not to the melody, but to the sound. Yeah? Learning to listen to the sound. So one easy way to do that is just finding out what climate is actually happening. When I close my eyes and I go into my body with my awareness, what kind of climate is there? Is it tight? Is it narrow? Is it open? Is it spacious? Is it bright? Is it dark? Is it compacted? Is it open? Uh, is it um, expansive? Yeah. Things like that. Just getting a feel for the climate that we inhabit if we go into the heart space. Very simple question. How is it now? That would be the first question. The second question (coughs) is when you, contrary to what I just said, actually look at the story and look at the images in your mind for a moment and say, okay, what is the corner out of which the wind blows that moves these sail ships of my thoughts across the sea. Yeah? What kind of wind blows into their sails? Is this an angry wind or is this a greedy wind? Is this a despairing wind? Is this a joyous wind? Yeah? Which corner of, is the energy coming from? 
we've said that all thoughts have an emotional component. So what is the emotional component of the thoughts I'm currently experiencing? Yeah. Is this anger? Is this greed? Is this joy, happiness, generosity, menace? menace? You know, what kind of emotional energy fills the sails of my little thought boats yeah, floating across my inner, my inner lake? So we're asking, where does it come from? Out of which soil does the thought grow? Does this image that I have in front of my inner eyes grow? Yeah. So we're asking, what is the emotional ground that gives rise to this particular cognitive or visual experience? Question two. Question three is simple. Some of those thoughts, I don't know what your mind is, and I don't want to really insult you more than is necessary, but... Many of my thoughts are not particularly original. I have thought them many, many times. I, they're repetitive, you know. Some of the thoughts I know pretty well where I'm going to be beached in two minutes if I join that thought, yeah? If I jump on that thought train, I have a fairly clear idea where it's going to land me in two, three minutes. Lonely, despairing, greedy, longing, grumpy, helpless, yeah? Many of our thoughts are probably repetitive. So you ask yourself, when I join this thought, where will it land me? You know, given that you live already a few years, given that you have plenty of experience with yourself, more than anybody else, in fact, uh, where do I actually know this will take me when I join, when I jump on this bandwagon? Yeah. Just a little question. Yeah. So try to practice with these three questions, looking for the climate of the now, looking, when you have found this climate, what actually is the emotional seed bed for the stuff that I'm experiencing now. And maybe as a third possibility, if you have, and please do that only with repetitive stuff, with stuff that is uh, tenacious. Don't do that with any thoughts. Some, th some of these questions are to be spared for powerfully uh, tenacious, repetitive thought patterns. Yeah? You look at where does it take me if I give myself to this? If I give my attention, if I give my energy, if I give my focus of mind to this thought, where will it take me? Yeah. It is to be expected that this can be confusing, that this is too much, that you may lose your stillness by this, and then you just humbly go back to the samatha practices. You go back to the breath, you go back to the body, you go back to the tools you have developed in these previous days. So, if you feel you're being reeled in, this is no longer meditation, this is uh, thinking. The emotion I tried to understand is now riding me. Uh, then that means you have lost the plot. You need to go back and just make the mind still. Good. Let us practice with this. <laughs> 